spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Welcome everyone to another episode of Streamed and Screamed, an entertainment podcast about movies and TV from Lee Enterprises. I'm Terry Lipschutz, Managing Editor of the National Newsroom at Lee and co-host of the program with Bruce Miller, Editor of the Sioux City Journal and a longtime entertainment reporter. Well-rested, I hope, after your trip back. I know we talked about that a little bit last week, but you're back into the groove of things. I am in the back. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the back. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. You know, what's really odd, this this tells you something. They're remaking many series that I've seen before. Like, 40 years ago right is that something they're making everything what's old is new again methuselah is back he's back and <laughs> looking at it you know and then you think i should go dig out the stuff i wrote about it back then and see how much it it's alike and it's not alike but um if you don't mind we've got something coming this week that's pretty spectacular it's called shogun and it's a remake of a 1980 miniseries with richard chamberlain remember him he was the king of the miniseries back in the day. He just did them all. And whenever they needed somebody, it's Richard Chamberlain. But the thing that they didn't do right back in the day was consult people about the, the accuracy of the times, the manners, the customs, all those kinds of things. And it had been a, a kind of a, a goal if you will, for a long time of Hero Sonata. Hero is, you've seen him in a jillion movies. He was in uh, The Last Emperor. He was in um, The Last Samurai. He was in, most recently, John Wick 4, Chapter 4. So he's in a lot of films. But this this miniseries, they named him a producer. And as a result, he said, I got a chance to actually hire people who could advise us who could show us how to do things correctly, Who, how we could really make this something we're proud of. It isn't something where it's just kind of like thrown together. And you know they do that all the time. You know, oh, find a kimono. Yeah, we got one in the back room there. Let's pull that out and do it. And this was all done specifically um, to make sure everything was proper. He said even in Japan, they don't do everything right. But here we had an opportunity and we needed to seize it. Now, Anna Sawai, who plays the female lead in this, um, she said, I did not realize how much time it took to put a kimono on. She said it was a lot. And then she said, you realize that you can't walk. If you're if you're in one of these, it really hinders your um, your movements. And so she said it was a great way to try and learn the character where she had a chance to to really kind of dig into her own culture that she knew nothing about. And she said, I think today a lot of young people um, are missing that. They're not paying attention to the past so that then, you know, they're just caught up in pop culture and they're not looking uh, to the old stories. And this one is taking place in the 17th century. So you can imagine there's a lot of history there and a lot to to unpack. So it's a fascinating, it's about 10 parts, 10 parts, FX and Hulu. And you'll see that there's a lot there that, stick with it because the first episode you're going to go what is this what are they doing i don't understand this 
And once it gets going, you'll understand where it is headed and how things are different for uh, John Blackthorne, who is the the leading character. He's shipwrecked in Japan, and he has to kind of learn how to cope with all of the things that are there. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you point out the, the stick with it, because I, I feel like this is the thing that gets me a lot, is that first episode of any series... In some cases, it's it's great from the beginning. You know, you might flip on one episode and it's just amazing and you're hooked and it's perfect. But it's or it starts going downhill after right. the first one. Right. And you end up going, boy, they padded this sucker. It could have been three <laughs> less. Yeah. But I think what's worse is a lot of times that first episode, they try to introduce so many characters, so much of a story that you kind of get lost. And what happens then is. You don't know, you know, is this going to be good or isn't it? But then once once you get to episode two or three, things smooth over and it makes a whole lot more sense. So I try to go into it with like, okay, first episode, maybe not the best, but if it seems good enough, let me give it one more try for episode two. And then if episode two is still bad, then I'm I'm going to just tap out. But, you know, a lot of times I'll see that second episode and be like, whoa, this is this is a whole lot better than that first episode. And I am I'm I'm in the rest of the way. Well, and this one, like I say, it takes a little to kind of catch the flavor. Also, there are subtitles. So be ready for that. OK. And they, they didn't tell me there was reading in this. What? <laughs> I can't do this. Um, but yeah, I, I you'll find it's a world that you didn't know existed. And you'll learn something from it. And you'll also see how people work together and how they get to be um, not necessarily friends, but certainly respectful colleagues at some point. Um, you know, it's interesting about this. Uh, Anna, who is the the female lead in the show, I said I asked her about how did you come to kind of find the character, feel the character? And she said, you know, it took a while. It took a while for me to play the role before I really felt I was there. And I asked Cosmo, who plays John Blackthorne, when did he, and he said, the day I got on the set. So there is a difference there. But what's interesting is she said he used a voice throughout the whole thing, even talking offstage uh, when they were just casual, he used his John Blackthorne voice. And she didn't realize what his real voice sounded like until they started doing publicity. She said, it was like two days ago, I heard what his real voice was and go, what? That's not the guy I remember. You see how their process goes? It's it's quite different. But we do have an interview. I, I want to share it with you with Cosmo. He um, has been in Peaky Blinders, a lot of British series. He was actually born in the United States, but his parents moved to Great Britain very early on in his life. And he grew up in that whole system. And you'll see how kind of methodical he is. Um, you'll hear his way of looking at a story like this and, and what it means for him. Cosmo Jarvis. This is very much a, a fish out of water character. Have you felt that way? In regards to the- In your, in your own life? In my own life? Yeah, you know where you go. Yeah, you know, I can relate to this. I can relate to this part of his story. Yes, yeah, I think- there can be several circumstances one find, finds oneself in per day that uh, can be very similar to the feeling of feeling others from others. Right. But it's usually in one's own head. Right, right. You were born in the United States, but were you very little? So when you moved, you really didn't feel that, that shift? Oh, yeah, no, I was very, very young when I left. I was still raised by an American lady, but um, I, I, there was no impact when I 
England's all I've ever known. Sure. So then playing this and going to that whole world, did you do a lot of research before you even started it? Or is it like, well, I'm going to just immerse myself when I get there and do it? There were a lot of things I did. Some of them were, that turned out to be necessary and useful. Others turned out to be um, areas of research that I would describe as being red herrings. I, 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 I tried to familiarize myself with basic understanding of geopolitics at the time of 1600 with regard to Elizabeth and Catholics and the Protestants. Didn't look too much into the Japanese side of things because I figured Blackthorn would be learning that at the pace that Blackthorn, uh, the script would demand Blackthorn to learn those things. So a lot of my research is on, you know, get trying to formulate some understanding of celestial navigation, things like this. Had you read the book? Had you seen the, the first miniseries or not? I, I read the book as the chapters became relevant to the portion of the story that we were dealing with. And I had not seen the original TV show because I just, I, I didn't think it would be helpful. Yeah, and I think you're right. The idea of doing a period piece, you have done a number of them. Yeah. Does that make it easier? Does that make it harder? Does it make it... It doesn't make it easier or harder, the fact that it's a period piece, but it, it means that the stories often contain interactions that seem to be unique to the period of time they are concerned with, interact fashions of interactions that that we don't have so much today. Sure. I mean, today we barely have any interactions. Sure. But, you know, like the, the, the difference in, in social interactions is just, it, it, they're usually quite different from the past because, and the way that people talked to each other was, was very different. And the importance of dialogue was different. Not easy or hard, but just, just different. And I find the, the difference to be quite interesting. As an actor, is that a way to lose yourself in a character? Then you, could, you realize it's not... I, I would assume playing contemporary characters would be very difficult because it, it cuts too close to what I am. Sometimes playing contemporary characters can be, well, in some ways it's, it's scarier because there's uh, you have to do more work when it's contemporary. Well, you don't have to do more work, but you have to be more proficient with your, with your re research because you may be representing people right. who are around to see your work and therefore the stakes maybe feel higher in, in that eventuality. But with stuff in the past, there are there are other things that come into play, like old skill, the old skills of yesteryear that aren't around anymore. Types of craftsmanships, types of battle styles, Edwardian etiquette, whatever it may be. Well, is the fighting stuff in this? Is that something I'm, I'm really fascinated by? This I want to be able to learn how to do all. Well, Blackthorn, Blackthorn doesn't get to do a whole bunch of fighting. He's actually a pretty inept. Uh, <laughs> he's pretty inept, and he relies solely on his um, flintlock pistols, which. In, in comparison to the, the samurai sword is probably a bit, a bit more of a, a, I would say, a crude way of fighting. doesn't require as much art sure. as, as fighting with a sword does. It's like uh, like Alec Guinness said about Star Wars, you know, like, blaster is a clumsy weapon. The, the, the fighting wasn't the most interesting part of it for me. For me, it was more about familiarity with uh, things that are relevant to seeming. What, what prompts you to take a rule? Is there something in it that you say, this I haven't done? I am learning something from this, or is it just, a, it sounds like a cool character to play in? Well, that's a good question. If it feels like something that ought to be made, that, that there's a the catalyst for why it's on paper is worthy of being on paper. And if I can detect that, which sometimes I can and sometimes I, oh, I hope I can, sure, then 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 I, I can kind of figure it out immediately. And, and in this case, it was it was the idea of being... Um, I have never come into con in my own career so far. I haven't come into any contact with with the kind of story that was quite so adventurous as so it. epic, so epic. Yeah, yeah, archetypal and and epic and 
and and and you know all of the archetypal themes are involved in it in some way betrayal and the power hunger and, and honor and your love all these things do you find that you learn something every time you play a role or are there some that are just you know i'm not going to learn anything yeah, every time always yeah 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 and then do you learn something about yourself i guess i learn about i i just learn that the the parameters of the craft are in constant flux and the extent to which they flux is only ever made apparent on the, the next job or the, or the next job and so in that regard, yeah, I would agree. So what made you do it and take the jump from music to acting? Was there something there that said, this is my niche? I mean, I, I haven't been a musician for 10 years, you know. But, you know, there, what, what puts you in that direction? What says, I'm going to go do this now? I always, I always wanted to. So that was a goal? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was in a museum when I was a kid, and there was an actor who was one of those actors who stays very still. And then when you walk through the Victorian city in the museum, he makes a move and everybody shifts their pants. <laughs> and um, that was the first catalyst for me to, of, of the sort of wonder of, of, of as like, he, can, he did that? Sure. He jumped out and, and I was like, whoa, he's real. And, and it just made quite an impression on me. And I suppose ever since then, I kind of wanted to improve and get better at it. When you work with people, like you're working with De Niro, you're working with Hero, what do you learn from those kinds of encounters? Do they teach you things or you just like, no, we're in our own lane or all doing our own thing? Well, you pick up, you effortlessly pick up things. And I mean, those two examples, they're, they're very, they're like some of the most generous dudes I've ever met with regard to the profession. And, and they are quite happy to give. Do you talk acting with them or not? I mean, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to bother anybody, but you just get a feeling. And, yeah, you know they're on your side, and we're all trying to build the thing together. And and they know that they are more experienced than I am. It just is a learning experience by default. You get, sometimes I was like, you can't come into something and and think you know how it's going to go down. And and yeah. I mean, Hero is an incredibly like his example. For example, I and mean, he cared so much about getting this done right, and get and and he was just there for everybody, furnishing everybody with encouragement and his experience and it was just a very pleasant working environment and this they sounded the name i'm assuming that's the kind of actor you want to be yes. you know where you are the one they look to and you learn from just even observing on how they behave on a set totally totally yeah i'm creating create creating a productive atmosphere at what point in the process do you feel i get this character i know this character i am this character now for me there comes a point before we even started, where I have to have him nailed down. And I have to know what his essence is. And I have to have already sort of committed to it. I have to have familiarized myself with the scriptural requirement of the person I'm employed to portray. And also my own understanding and the best understanding of how that man should be. Yeah, it happens before we begin, usually for me. So you feel confident when you go into it. I've got it. I know what I'm going to do. Yeah. But that's the beauty of the, the preparation and the research and the experimentation that leads up to the beginning of the, of the... Have you always been a good student? No. No. I have been good students to certain teachers and I have been a terrible student to others. But if it's something you love to do, you know, well, yeah. is, is this the longest project you've ever done? I mean, yeah. in terms of hours and stuff, how is it living with a character that long? 
it was it became effortless. It became I didn't even think about it. Well, one of the it was, that was one of the reasons it was so great because when it and for eleven months, he just um you know I sort of it was a case of sort of dispensing with myself and Joe the the things that comprise John Blackthorn. I just they Joel you know just being John Blackthorn. I mean it, it was it was great because it, it you meant that uh, there was there was a a fluency that could be achieved. Sure. In um, in terms of how he would be in any given circumstance or scene, and 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 that was this job afforded me a sort of familiarity that I've never had with any other character. Thank you, Bruce, for that interview. As I mentioned to you before the show, I already I already clicked the little plus button in in Hulu because I'm it looked good. I mean, the trailer looks solid. Yeah, you like it. Trust me. These these FX these FX and Hulu collaborations. I'm I'm really digging. They're they're pretty solid. When you look at the list of you know the the favorite or the best TV limited series, there's always an FX in there. There always is. They know how to give the creators the time they need, the money they need, and the freedom from somebody kind of putting their fingers on and say, "I think you need to have another kind of funny character in there." You know, a sidekick would be really good. Yeah, and I am glad you mentioned too the subtitles because it it doesn't scare me to watch a show or a movie with subtitles, but I have to be in the right frame of mind. So like, if my eyelids are getting heavy, no subtitles for Terry. We're not reading tonight. <laughs> no, we're we are. I am like way past my reading point of the evening. Uh, we will we will watch something else that might keep me awake and not uh, and not try to fight to fall asleep there. But yeah, no. So that looks good. Um, there's quite a few shows on right now. You've been digging in, though. Yeah, you've been digging in on Masters of the Air, which I haven't I have. at all. Oh, it's you're missing something good. Now, first off, like you've seen Band of Brothers, right? Right, right. And did you see the Pacific also? Right, right. So this is it, it is that collaboration with Spielberg and and Tom Hanks. So it's another episodic kind of look at. World War II, just from a different frame. So, you know, Band of Brothers, if, if you recall it, it's that invasion of Normandy and then the push, you know, through like the Battle of the Bulge and and, and it's kind of like the ground offense of um, the Pacific, of course, took place in the Pacific and it gave you the look at, at that conflict. This one's really fascinating to me because I've seen plenty of World War II movies that have taken place in the air but I think this one is really giving me a new perspective of just how gruesome air warfare was in World War II. I mean, you're you're I, I don't want to you know, we, we, we strive to be a spoiler free program, right? I guess the best thing I can say, they all die in the end. <laughs> they all die in the end. Don't get attached to too many characters. And and this is just like we're we're only part of the way through the series, so we don't know. You know, there could be some missing in action. There could be things like that. But there, there's been a number of characters who I've been like, oh, that, I, this is somebody I, I think I'm going to enjoy watching the entire way through. And then the plane explodes and it's just like, wow, oh. you know, the the oh, number. No. It's not Elvis, is it? Elvis doesn't die right away, does he? I don't know. He makes it through at least okay. one episode. I'll tell you that. Much. OK, Um <laughs> Will he make it to the end? We don't know. We don't know. Uh, but no, we don't know. But yeah, no, Austin Butler's in it. But it, it's a show where you really get a sense for how dangerous these missions are. You know, because you've heard the term like flak jacket, right? The jackets that they would wear. And it, 
like what does that mean i don't understand until you're watching the show and you see the germans like shooting flak into the air and it's shredding these airplanes to nothing i mean they're like flying tin cans basically with with propellers it's 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 shocking to see how dangerous it was like you always think in your mind when you're seeing aerial combat you know a plane gets shot down by a missile or a bomb or machine gun fire or whatever but to see the number of planes that go down just from hitting debris in the sky that they're shooting up there and just tearing things apart and going through and taking out the navigator or taking out the gunner and how dangerous it was and seeing the planes, you know, they might send 15 or 20 planes out to start and then they're showing the base when they're coming back and they're doing the count to see how many are there. And it's like, you know, one out of 30 return. And it's, it's just a very um, gritty and I think eye opening program. It's really good. Are the special effects good? Yes. Yes. It's a very well done program. I mean, I. Does it have that same kind of grainy kind of sepia toned look that the others did? Similar. Yes. I mean, you could definitely tell that this is another installment from the same filmmakers, basically. Oh, that'll be great. Yeah, I'm saving it because I need to binge. I am not good at waiting a week. Yeah, this has definitely been. Yeah, this has definitely been a tough one where I think they gave us two right out to begin with and then it became like i gotta wait another week and then i gotta wait another week and that's this one's me. really been tough yeah this one's really been tough to put down and then have to wait a whole week to come back at it because you, you really want to know you know what is happening to this character and you know there's a scene again don't want to give away too much but there's a scene where uh, a plane gets shot down and and you have the they're parachuting to safety and they're behind enemy lines and it takes you into what the resistance was like you know the people that are helping the allied you know uh soldiers who have maybe fallen behind enemy lines helping them get to safety the dangers that that's putting them into some of the things that they're doing to you know there's there's obviously there's this one scene where there's three people who are speaking very fluent English and they sound like they're from America, but one of those three may not be whom you think he is. So it's, Ooh. it's a really fascinating look at what, you know, the, the access powers were doing and, and the Germans were doing to, to try to infiltrate uh, Americans. And yeah, so it's, it's a really good show. So I, 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 Go for it. You know, you you won't. I don't think you'll be disappointed. I will watch it, but like I say, I've got to have it all at once so then I can just roll through it. I have a friend who says he has a relative that's featured in the in the series. That's you know fascinating. If it's kind of six degrees of whatever separation, I mean. But you also saw the end of of True Detective. Now, did it live up to what you wanted it to be, or was it like, oh, not good? Have you watched True Detective at all this new season? Or I saw the first episode and then I okay. had to pull away. Okay, so yep, yeah, uh, the series just wrapped. I'm glad they kept it to six episodes. I think one mistake that some of these programs make, some of the producers make, filmmakers make, they make them too long. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The one thing with all the episodes, all the seasons, the, the past seasons of True Detective, you always get those characters who aren't exactly who you think they might be. But I think they did a really nice job here at developing each character and showing some of the internal struggles. Like with Jodie Foster, you know, it, the first episode, she comes off as being this really harsh, difficult to work with person. But then it takes all the way into that sixth episode to really understand like where she's coming from and why she might be the person she is. So so it's it's really good. And then, you know, I think the you get a few of those characters who aren't who you think they are. So that's one thing to kind of watch out for. But the resolution was fascinating to me, too, because it wasn't quite what I expected. And and the way the case eventually was closed wasn't what I was expecting. But there were a few times in this because I don't like scary things. You know, we we I don't watch horror movies and I, I don't like too many things that are get grisly. But there was a few moments where I found myself kind of like, you know, peeking through my fingers because I didn't want to like I wanted to watch, but I didn't want to watch. And there was a scene because a lot of times I'll watch these at night and I'm in I'm in bed at this point. You know, it's like I'm getting ready and my wife is sleeping next to me. <laughs> and there was a scene in the final episode where I like jumped like in bed, jumped. And she's like, what are you watching? Oh. It's like, it's scary. <laughs> what are you? Uh, so she thought I dozed off, but and then and then you said to her, "You you go check the doors, see if anybody's here." Right. Yeah, go make sure there's no intruders here. I'll 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 man down the uh, the bed, but yeah, no, it's 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 good, it's good. I, you know, the the I, I really wish we could scrub the memory of season two of True Detective out of our brains because that one was just a hot mess from start to finish. Season one, but you know, often after when they have a really good first season, they didn't start thinking about what to do for the second season. So it's kind of catch as catch can. Right. Yeah. So season one was amazing. Season two was not. Season three, very good. Season four, very good. And it's written by somebody else, which is, you know, maybe somebody needs to take the reins. You know, that's interesting because Larry David plays by his own rules. Right. And if he doesn't think he has something for a while, he sits it out. Yeah. And now we are getting his 12th year. It's not consecutive years or anything like that, but the 12th year of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And what I'm wondering about is if it's going to end where something happens that kind of puts a, a button on all of us. Yeah. Most of these are ways where he just kind of screws up and puts his foot in his mouth. Right. Will this kind of be the ultimate where you know he's gone is that what happens at the end they just get rid of him yeah i don't know it's interesting so you know you, the the point you made about it not being consecutive the first curb your enthusiasm was that hour-long hbo special kind of movie that they did and then they did individual right. seasons so that special aired in 1999 the first full season came out in october of 2000 so they've taken, you know, almost a quarter century to do 12 seasons of the show. So he just he kind of comes and goes and we haven't had one in three years. Um, you know, I think it's been it's been good. These first few episodes, uh, you know, in you kind of introduce different things 
right? You know, uh, the first episode where he's just kind of getting frustrated because he's asking his phone to give him direction somewhere. And the phone is giving him like everything but where he wants to go. And he's just flipping out. And it's it's one of those moments where, you know what? I've been in the car and I know exactly what you're going through right now. You can relate. And you probably might think some of the things that he just outwardly says. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, what I noticed, I have, I binge these suckers on the plane. I'm a real good binger on the plane because you can't go anywhere and I want to laugh. And I noticed that he does a lot of things repetitively. He's always breaking something and then has to try and atone for that sin. He either needs right. to try and replace it or fix it or, you know, or somehow get himself out of a situation. I know he's he's back-end or rear-ended cars all the time. And um, I have a feeling that there will be something that will be coming like that in the future. But I've seen, I think, is it two episodes we've only gotten so far? It's two? Uh, I just watched the third one this past weekend. Okay, those three. We've seen yep. three. Yeah, and so we'll see where this goes. But it's interesting how he pulls in a lot of friends. And they've got to be able to play with you. They've got to be able to do that improv thing that he likes to do. And you can see where the regulars are very, very good at it. And then you throw in somebody who's a newbie. He had um, Kaylee Cuoco on, was it last season? I think it was with the Pirates booty when she was the... Yes, she was a dentist. And I thought she right. could do it really well. I thought she was like a sitcom person who had to have lines and all that stuff, but she really gave it to him and I thought that that works that works yeah because she was that was that was an episode which I absolutely love too because it was she was eating the pirate's booty the uh the, the that horrible horrible popcorn snack and then dropped it on and she didn't pick it up and it's terrible and I and I think even it mentioned it in the show like you know he I think Larry even complained it like how terrible pirate's booty is and it it, it was funny for that moment but yeah the uh, you know, you look at like J.B. Smoove, he's he's on as usual. Richard Lewis just made an appearance. Vince Vaughn, who's who's in it. You know, he's he he's kind of filling that role that was uh, uh, the Super Dave Osborne because um, where he had passed away. Um, so it's been it's been nice to see these uh, Tracy Ullman playing, you know, the the girlfriend who he's trying to get out of his life. It's 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 good. And I, I'm with you. I'm really curious how this is going to end. Is it going to be one of these like Seinfeld endings where it's going to just feel weird at the end, you know, where he's in jail? And he was part of that. So you never know. And he was part of that. Or is it going to be is it just going to end? And then we're going to speculate like maybe he is going to come back because I, I heard that someone they were talking to somebody and it didn't seem to completely close the door on another season down the road. And I don't know, you know, like if Larry feels he needs to say something, maybe he's going to come back and do another season. Yeah. Well, he'd be welcome. You know, it's interesting is I think last season's shows talked about working at Netflix and Hulu and all those places. And you notice that those executives are changing all the time. And yet he's been able to keep this show going and I'm sure through many different regimes and uh, people are still with it. It's fascinating. But yeah, I, I enjoy his his line of thinking and I love how he's always trying to go to the bathroom, but he doesn't want to touch anything or doesn't want to, you know, it's all right. He's such a hypochondriac about everything. 
that uh, <laughs> right. it's fun to see him play it out. And you think, would I do that? Would I be like that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a fun show. Like Larry, Larry's doing well. He gets me to laugh, and that's what I look for most of all. Absolutely, absolutely. So, what do we have coming up in the next week or so? Well, next week, I you know I'm here. I'm introducing you all to these people that I've met out in California. But this is a fascinating one, and I'm not trying to not like this. And this, you know, they're all they're all fascinating, right? But this one is interesting because. It's called Queens. It's a National Geographic special. Now, don't start, you know, I can see, oh, God, do I have to look at that? Oh, no. (sighs) But they've done kind of storytelling. And I wish I wish you could remember the name of the um, Penguin movie where they kind of gave them characterizations. Remember that Penguin Penguin movie? And I wish I, I can't think of the name. But that's what they do with this. And you see, you meet these different kinds of animals in all different aspects around the world and how the the females in the species are dominant and so that's why it's called queens um and they how their world is different because women do um kind of rule the roost if you will um it's narrated by angela bassett it it tells a lot of very fascinating stories and i'll share one of the ones with you when we do the uh, the episode next week because you'll want to hear from the people who actually made these films. Four years, they were four years they were in the the wild during COVID, trying to make sure that they were getting you know uh, the right footage that they needed, and then writing stories that match that and getting the music to match all that. It's it's fascinating. I saw it on a huge screen and it holds up. It's good. And I don't like, you know, I don't like animal shows. I'm not an animal person. I, you could bring me a pet and I would hand it right back to you. But this is, this is very cool and interesting. And they talk about disappearing species and what's happening there and how, how people have to play a role in bringing them back. But it was a largely female crew that created the whole thing. It, it, it tells other stories that the last episode wraps it all up and tells you how they did it. And that's fascinating too. But that's next week. It's Queens. And we'll talk with some of the Queens as well. Perfect. That sounds good. You know, when you mentioned Queens, the first thing in a documentary, the first thing I thought like, oh no, is this going to be some sort of look at how terrible the New York Mets are? Because they play in Queens, New York. But it could have been. Yeah, that would have been. Yeah, it could. (laughs) A very special second episode in season two. But then... After that, we're talking Oscars because Oscars are coming. And so you better watch all those films because we're going to talk about the ones that will win or should win. I've got some binging to do. I do have I've, I've, I'm like largely caught up, but I do have a few more that I, I want to get in there. I'm going to throw one at you that people are saying is that right now what you're hearing in Hollywood is Emma Stone doesn't need a second Oscar. Oh, hmm. is that that isn't that kind of a goofy way of trying to win votes she doesn't need one so let's give it to somebody who needs one well that's like everybody else on the list yeah that is that's an interesting way to get around things so harry you need an oscar you need an oscar. i do we'll see how well that plays and then also between now and and the oscar night which i think is march 10th if i'm not mistaken are the sag awards and that'll be a good bellwether we just had the baftas which are the british Oscars and Emma Stone did win. Oppenheimer won. So we'll see what happens. All right. So we'll be on the lookout for that. We'll be uh, obviously looking at Queens in another week. 
And until then, thank you again for listening to another episode of Streamed and Screened. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.